swords and candle art to spark souls and charge souls to cross roads and bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's ores. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest the tone earl rock shoes to every clue keeps the exit gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control nations Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. y'all. <laughs> this control issues. I am the AMC, and this is a. Duh. <laughs> you can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. It's called Control Issues. Find your way to it. Go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod. We put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. And we got some treats up there for you as we speak. Lastly, head on over to Twitter at my control issues is the handle. Handle that control issues. The delightful mix of the video game version of last week tonight in Jesus and Marrow. Come get your fix. <laughs> Your. <laughs> Your. <laughs> Your. <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Love those dudes. Mm. Oh, excuse me. I got a little choked up. Hey, <laughs> uh, Deb, how's spices. your, how's oh, your my, week been? Uh, my week has been great, man. I got I got my first shot. Uh, it was my sister's birthday last night, so went over there, hung out with the family. They haven't seen me in a while, especially in my new sleeker physique. So everybody was kind of poking and prodding at me, trying to see where all the all that extra weight had gone. Got to get my first experience on the Nintendo Switch. My brother brought his over. We played a little Smash. I got reacclimated. Who'd you run with? Pikachu, baby. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta run with the rat. That's my man <laughs> <laughs> with the wizard hat on. <laughs> I had to do it. So doing that, uh, little nephew was playing some Smash. And I actually noticed something very interesting about. I guess the games that my nephew had been playing up to that point and the reaction from him when he plays like bigger games, more traditional games is that I'm guessing with these iPad games and stuff or these tablet games, there's always that constant stream of reward where you're going through a level. It's super easy. You're getting three stars all the time. You're just the best. You're number one. But then you get in Smash, <laughs> and even when even when people are taking it easy on you, you're still walking off the edge of the stage and everything. And like as soon as the results come out, he's looking to be first place. But when he's not first place, it's it's a tantrum. It's screaming. It's storming out of the room. It's almost throwing the controller. And it's just like, oh, this this reminds me a lot of just modern gamers in general when people play games like dark souls or anything that's hard it's like it needs an easy mode it's too difficult oh it needs this it needs that and it's like i'm beginning to understand where this mentality comes from and you know we're doing our best to try to break it in them because we get it too so it's like hey it's about having fun you're 
you're doing all right. You're going to get better. And eventually you're going to start winning. But in the meantime, just have fun. Just play the game. These are cool characters. It's a good time. Let's just enjoy it. It's not about who wins. And, you know, most of the time he would kind of even out. He was being a good sport, like congratulating people for winning, even though we think it's purely sarcastic. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, just that kind of stuff. But, you know, I went looking for a, a, an indoor plant and, you know, trying to spice up my living space, you know, just enjoying my time with my next gen setup, Series X, PS5. So, yeah, man, awesome. They're talking about going back into the office probably this year back at work. So I'm looking forward to that because I miss my coworkers and I miss being in a work environment rather than in my chill space. So yeah, man, how about yourself? Um, yeah, same old, same week for me. Uh, I finished, I finally finished Adventure Time. I, I've been sitting mm-hmm. on that last episode for about three months. <laughs> uh, Marissa and I, we were just, we didn't want it to end. And it was like, yeah, a 45- that's tough. Yeah. And I think it was like a 45 minute episode. So it was one of those things where it's like, all right, we, it's not like a, you know, the, the way they have it broken down on Hulu is each episode is basically uh, 12, 12 minutes because they basically, they, they air two episodes within a 30 minute block. Um, so they just have it broken up into each individual episode, which is, 12 minutes each so it's it's a pretty short experience and so the last one being a little bit longer we're like all right well we got to like like set some time aside we really got to take it in and so we just never got to it so we finally sat down we watched it it was great i you know that show had been had been on for so long and one of the things that's one of its greatest strengths is the richness of the world, the world building. There are so many characters who have their own individual story arcs and they really flesh out everybody that you come across and, you know, all their relationships really interplay um, throughout the entire narrative of the, of the, of the show. And so when it came to the final episode and they were wrapping up a lot of storylines, Marissa and I were just like, who is that person? (laughs) Like it'd been so long since we started watching the show that we really needed a refresher going into that uh, series finale. But regardless, I still enjoyed it. I just missed a lot and it was still awesome. Got to see, you know, how things work out, worked out for Finn and Jake and, um, and, you know, Ice King or whatever his real, I forgot what his real name is. Um, and yeah, and just yeah, his, like, his backstory was sad, man. Yeah, I, I know him. it was super sad, but like you know, things they found a way to it was a happy ending, I'll say, all around. If, if people haven't finished the show, and so yeah, so that's good. I'm glad I got to finish it now, that's done. And so now we're watching other shows and you know, keeping on, keeping on. But let's get right into it, A Dub. I know you got you told us last week you got the PS5. Uh, you told us last week that you pre-ordered Returnal. Uh, so let's just get right into it with the preloads and all. A dub. What you've been playing this week. Well, this may come as a surprise to some <laughs> You canceled your pre-order. You read some articles. <laughs> read some shit. Didn't like what I was hearing. <laughs> Canceled it immediately. Give me my money back. <laughs> no, pre-ordered that digital deluxe edition of Returnal. Was counting the seconds until it unlocked. They had some shenanigans going on where it was going to unlock at 8 p.m. And then suddenly an hour got added to the clock. But whatever. It was an hour well spent because your boy went outside. He got some cardio. He did some pull-ups. Came back. Returnal time. Yes. And I, I have to say that 
as forward to this game as I was looking just based on what scant information I had gathered versus when it was finally in my hands and I'm playing it. Like this isn't even honeymoon period. This isn't even like just that fulfillment of, of a dream made real. It was just so far beyond my expectations that I'm still kind of dumbfounded with exactly how much greater this game is than I could have, I could have ever even gathered from media. So as you guys may know, Returnal, this is the game you're playing as Selene Vasos. You crash land on the planet Atropos and you're caught in a time loop. You go through the level, you're fighting, you're discovering, you're scanning, you're trying to piece together what's happening. You're trying to figure out what the scenario is that you're stuck in. Every time you die, you get sent back to the crash site and you start all over again. This is characteristic of the rogue-like slash light genre. And it's something that you need to get very accustomed to if this is gonna be your first foray into this kind of experience. So while you're going through this, this alien world, trying to break this torturous time loop, you're picking up all sorts of things. You're picking up items, you're picking up parasites, you're picking up weapons, you're picking up, you're picking up health, you're picking up currency, both temporary and permanent. Uh, you're trying to unlock permanent upgrades. You're trying to get further into the world until you can eventually survive long enough to see the end of the story. So while you're doing that, you have a breakup of the different experiences. You're going into these large open rooms where you're free to explore and do whatever is within your capability based on the equipment that you've collected at the time. Uh, enemies pop up and then you have to engage against those in fast paced bullet hellish style combat, you know, characteristic of the Housemark brand, but it's just so much more real and different this time primarily due to the AAA production values, thanks to Sony getting behind the project, as well as the third person perspective, which you're not really used to with the Housemark games. Normally there are 2D affairs or somewhat isometric deals or 2.5D deals in the case of Superstar HD, which is one of their more notable titles. With Returnal, it's a straight up third person shooter you can dash, you can jump, you got a close range melee attack, you got your long range weaponry. Uh, your weapons are randomly generated with different augments and different alternate fire modes. Uh, this game makes use of the dual sense functionality. Uh, you, you can feel the environment around you in certain cases, like in the, the first biome of the game, the very first level you step out into, as the raindrops are falling on the character, you feel them within the controller. So it's just one of those things that helps further drag the player into that immersive experience. With the combat, one of the, one of the notable features is that the game has an adaptive trigger function where you pull down the trigger, oh, only slightly, only so slightly, and you pull up you pull up your weapon to aim down the sights, get some fine aim going, which is very useful in situations where enemies are far away or you want to zero in on a single one just for a second, you know, break up their attack cycle, something like that. But if you pull through the floor, you then bring up the alternate fire mode of the weapon, which then changes the reticle, charges up the alt fire, and then you can let leash 
the various types of alternate fire systems that can be attached to weapons, whether it's a horizontal uh, barrage of bullets that bounces off of the environment or armor piercing shot. Uh, it also highlights the weak spots on the enemies. You, you can shoot a grenade, you can shoot an, an arc of lightning that, that hits a group of enemies. Uh, you have various weapons that range from a pistol to an alien shotgun to an alien assault rifle to an alien sniper rifle. Uh, and my personal favorite, the electro pylon driver, which lets you shoot electrified lances into the environment and enemies if you got aim like that. And then electricity is conducted between all those pylons. So you can actually set up a gauntlet of electricity arcing between all of these lances, leading enemies through it, and they just fall apart while they're trying to chase you. So you can maintain maximum evasive and defensive maneuvers while still doing damage instead of exposing yourself and possibly taking damage, which is something that's going to happen to you quite often. This game is tough as nails, tougher than I ever thought. I spend most of my time in the first biome, and that's because I usually can't survive long enough to get out of the first biome. <laughs> but uh, if you go on twitch.tv slash control issues pod, I have a pretty lengthy stream. Most of it spent within the first biome, but eventually I managed to defeat the first boss of the game and I move on to the second biome where I make a reasonable amount of progress before I'm ultimately cut down by one of the brand new enemy types that I was simply not prepared for. Uh, yeah, man. ultimately just Returnal is an experience unlike any other. It's It's got notes of of Prometheus. It's got the visual aesthetic of something similar to a, a dead space, like the, the music and just the overall visual aesthetic. The particle effects are beautiful. Leaves rolling down hills and rustling about black orbs of soot and residue rising up as you're discharging your weapon at enemies who are just just have tentacles all over the place, snaking their way through the environment, the, the rain, the fog, the lighting. It's all just beautifully and delightfully creepy, gorgeous, inviting, engaging, mystifying. There, there are not enough words to describe what Returnal is, but if I had to boil it down into the most meaningful statement, I would say that Returnal is a just, it's... It's a very big signpost of not only what the future of Sony exclusives could be for this generation of hardware, but also what the future of the roguelike genre can be when you put big money behind it. Because this game, you know roguelikes, they're usually pretty simple affairs that are predicated on their gameplay loop. You've played games like Into the Breach, FTL, Hades, Curse of the Dead Gods, Flame in the Flood even, where it's very centered on just that gameplay loop. With Returnal, there's a greater narrative sense to it because there is a story leaning, something that Hades helped bring to the, the forefront of the genre. But with Returnal, it, it makes the gameplay loop feel more real and tangible because it's you aren't just dying and then going back to the beginning. You're dying, you're reliving that crash all over again. You're starting at the crash site. You're having these flashbacks and these memories. And it it just, it 
elevates the entire experience to a whole new level of quality and presentation that roguelikes up to this point simply have not been able to attain. So it, this, this game is so many things. It's a dream come true for me because I'm big sci-fi junkie, love roguelikes, and I love Housemark games. So this is the apex of all three of those. All in one, I look forward to talking about this game more, especially as I eventually nick and scratch my way through progressively later portions of the game. But even when I'm performing at my worst, I'm still having a blast. Like it's, it's a game that you want to keep playing even when you're failing because the act of getting to that next failure is so enjoyable. So if you want to hear more about Returnal, you can always come back to your weekly episode of Control Issues and A-Dub's going to talk about it until A-Dub is done with it. But AMC, what have you been playing? Oh, man. Um, yeah, first of all, I've watched some of your gameplay in the pre-show of Returnal. That game looks absolutely amazing. Um, I don't have a PS5, but that is one of those ones I definitely want to hop on once I once I pick it up because gameplay, everything that is trademark a housemark as far as uh, just incredible gameplay, um, particle physics, <laughs> all that good oh, stuff. The, you the see, particle physics are so good, <laughs> especially when enemies just explode <laughs> into into black rocky shards that skitter about the landscape in every which direction. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like all of that, it looks like it's taking advantage of the hardware and, you know, really getting the most out of just the interactions with the environment. Even if you're not like, you know, walking up to the environment and pushing X in order for it to then interact with you, it's actually even better because you're just walking and the environment's literally reaching out to you yeah. without, <laughs> without any effect other than just visually, which is absolutely awesome. Um yeah, it's like like going back to that moment with like the division and walking by the door and the guy closed it and like it's like there's no reason for that but they just did it and now it seems like that's that's just gonna be more of a thing in video games is just subtle interactions to give more life to the environment around you. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more later, but uh, yeah, it's what I love about seeing Returnal is that we are in somewhat of a um, a golden age of roguelikes where it's like fresh off the heels of what Hades getting game of the year for many outlets and um, just Splunky 2 doing well and Dead Cells doing well last gen and just you can just name it and it was a great you could name the roguelike and it was a great game highly uh, highly regarded and yeah we're seeing this with like one of PlayStation 5's early early on exclusives being a roguelike um they're taking note and housemark taking note and i'm glad they went this direction uh there's like that whole talk of like them being done with arcade games and arcade games being dead and you know there were talks of them putting out that uh was it the battle royale game and so it was like oh it's an interesting direction for them to go and then to see this game it's like oh like their potential is limitless and who knows if they're going to do this or do a version of this, but we know that if there's one thing that they can do, they can just make a damn good fun game. And as long as they have that within the, um, the, the formula, it's always going to turn out to be a, a success in my eyes. So yeah. Um, off the little that I saw this game, I'm already like on board. Uh, as far as what I've been playing, I've been uh, putting a little more work in Pac-Man Pac nine to nine. Um, that's absolutely kicking ass. Have not won since 
I think it's been about like three or four weeks. I have not won that game. Um, it's called a pack one. I have not gotten a pack one. Um, gotten in the top 10 numerous times, just not been able to, um, you know, finish. And that's unfortunate, but I am absolutely loving that game. Um, playing more of Super Mario 3D World. We are in the final world at this point, uh, officially the final world. I thought we were done. We were at World 7. And I remember like, as we were in World 7, mentioning to Marissa, like, you know, Mario games typically have eight worlds, but the way it's going, I think this game is going to be ending. But that's that's all right, because we had Bowser's Fury on the way. Little did I know there was an eighth world hidden. And so um, after we it's finished- There's always it, eight worlds, AMC. Yes, sir. You can't question it. If they took it away, I'm sure there'd be people complaining about their value. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, uh, got to the eighth world. We're playing through that now, really enjoying it there. At this point now, what every game does well uh, once you get towards the final areas of the game is they start to implement everything that you've learned and up the difficulty and we are seeing that um and then some thankfully it's two players so we can take more chances but yeah um continuing to be one of the greater games absolutely loving super mario 3d world so happy that they ported it uh played a little bit more of fire emblem don't really have much to say there other than that game continues to be awesome but a dub let's just get right into the topics of the week Topics of the week. Yeah. Damn right to it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I feel like we're still in the uh, in the in the space. So why not? Why not? So as you guys know, a dub knee deep in Returnal. Hopefully, it's sweeping the world by storm because it is a phenomenal game through and through. This is this is definitely Housemark's best work. It deserves all the success in the world. Hopefully, we get a sequel. But at the least we need to keep Housemark's doors open just so more creativity of this nature can come to the forefront. However, there is no major release, there's no new release that does not come with some degree of controversy. So with the release of Returnal and it's just and all the exposure that it's been getting all the way up to this point, it's drawn a lot of eyes that normally would not have been on a housemark game to begin with, but also wouldn't have batted an eye toward a roguelike. So with that comes a lot of people who are discovering the genre for the first time. As a result, they're discovering things about the genre that they don't like for the first time. Notably, this comes in the form of the absence of a traditional save feature in Returnal. So these trolls got this to say, so let's just let's just start it off and we'll give you more information as we go along so first show says what road game in 2021 starts you all the way at the beginning this is in 1985 nintendo <laughs> Is um first of all, every rogue game starts you at the beginning. Some rogue games, some rogue games support the ability for you to be able to save while you're in the run. And of course, this is under specific you know circumstances. But with Returnal, it's structured a little differently. So the need to save as you're going along isn't really there. 
However, a lot of people don't get that, as you'll see with our next troll, our next trolls. But this one's saying, can't wait for the game to be fairly priced, then I'll purchase it. There you go. So for the longest time, a lot of people have been questioning the price point of Returnal and not because of the size of the game, at least not the confirmed size of the game, not because of how it was developed since it's not an indie game. They're questioning how much Returnal should cost because it's a roguelike. And for them, roguelikes have only ever been indie games that have been anywhere from 10 to maybe $40 at the most, $20, that kind of thing. So Returnal being a Sony first party game, Sony making it clear that their first party exclusives are going to be $70 this generation. And with them putting AAA money behind it to get it to this level of polish and presentation, people have eyes on it that normally would have looked the other way. And now they're asking all sorts of dumb questions and trying to rationalize why they're not going to pay the cost of admission for something that Housemark and Sony have put the work and the money into in order to make worth that ticket. So now we get into save trolls next troll says no save no buy (laughs) next troll says i'm asking for a refund this game is incompatible with having a family or a life so sad because it's awesome (laughs) i like the game (laughs) but i want to refund. greatest game ever played (laughs) i want my money back next troll says seems like a fun game but this no save thing will make me at least wait until a sale yeah so do people do people really go around buying or not buying games dependent upon the presence or the absence of the save feature? Like well, is I, that has that ever been a thing or is it just because this is something that they find somewhat different about this game and that's their reason why they're not going to spend money on it because they weren't going to spend money on it before they just needed a well, that was like, yeah, that's my thing when I like I hear these people like talk about like the lack of a save feature is that like this isn't just specifically to roguelike games. Like I, I enjoyed the division. The problem with me playing the division was it's an online game. So it's not like I can just save where I'm at in the game and just pick up where I left off. Yeah. It's usually it's always gonna divert me back to some hub. If I just let the game sit idle for too long it will kick me out of the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so and like, not only will it kick you out of the game, but the activities and the events that are present on the map at one point will change. Yeah, so exactly. And so the idea that because this game doesn't have a save feature, it's it's blasphemy when it's a, a thing that's been in any online game for the most part. Um, it's it's kind of weird that people are now using this game as the... Uh, as as the as the scapegoat to be like the whipping boy yeah exactly to be like oh this is why this is a problem and, and suddenly it, and suddenly everybody's life is now more important than gaming because of this game <laughs> yeah and it's also good that you brought up always online games like the division and stuff because those function largely in the same way that Returnal does where yeah you aren't gonna have to go back to the beginning of the division and play missions all over again but you're the way that it's similar is that the division saves the progress that's important. It doesn't say where you are. It doesn't say what you're doing, but it saves what you've gained, what you have, and where you are in the grand scheme of the permanent progress. 
That's the same function with Returnal. And I think a lot of people are, again, this is their first exposure to the genre. So they find it weird that these things that they've been spoiled by with modern games are suddenly absent in this, in this one. And in addition, you also have people who have played real likes before and think that, oh, this one has this, or this one plays this way. So why can't this one be the same? Which completely disregards the fact that Returnal is fundamentally structured differently than other roguelikes. You look at a game like Pathway or a game like FTL or Curse of the Dead Gods or Hades. What you'll notice is that these games progress on a room by room or a node by node basis. So there's no backtracking in these games. You can't go four rooms ahead leave something behind and be like, oh, you know what? Now that makes more sense for my build. I'm going to go back, get that thing, and then go forward and save. It's like, no. The thing with roguelikes is that your temporary progress is in the moment. When you die, you lose that temporary progress. So where a game like Hades or Curse of the Dead Gods can save, it's only because you can't go back and change any decisions that you made along the way. You are always stuck in the present. And when you die, that whole run is gone. That's the same thing with Returnal. The difference here is that Returnal, the biomes you have complete access to at a given time. So yes, you can leave a biome and that's, you can't go back. But while you're within a biome, every room that you've explored, you can always go back to. You can leave things on the ground. You can go collect chests that you left behind. So if this game implemented some kind of save feature where you could say, oh, I don't know, go into a room that has three chests, have the game save that you're in that room, then proceed to open those three chests, not like any of the results that you get, and then just exit the game, reload your save, and you're right back in that treasure room with three chests that are going to give you another chance at getting the thing you want. That undermines the fundamental design of the game where you're moving forward. What happens is what happens. You don't get a do-over. You get it right or you get it wrong and you make it work or you die and you start over. That's how this works. Um, a lot of this, I feel is just an error of communication, but we'll get to that after we get to these next trolls. Next troll says, seems like a fun game, but this no safe thing will make me at least wait until sale. Yeah. Oh, I think we did that guy. Let me get the next guy. Let us know when they put a save state in. Meanwhile, I'm skipping and playing something else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sad that that's the deal breaker for you, but I do... I do appreciate the spirit of realizing that this is something that's just not for you and that you should just move on to something catered more towards your interests. That's the kind of spirit that everybody needs to engage in with Returnal, which is that, hey, I don't like this thing that I read about it. I don't fully understand it, but I think I do. And I'm going to go play something else. <laughs> just do that. That's fine. Instead of making demands on the developer to change, but we'll get to that. Next show says, I know I'd feel much more likely to risk money on it if they made some sort of change in this regard over a save feature in a game that's not built for it. Okay. Next show says, the lack of a decent save feature really hurts this game, no matter what. 
Have you played it? Do you do you know how it hurts the game? Because it's really inconsequential. It's like throwing a stone at a dude in a full suit of armor. It means nothing. <laughs> Next show says the call of this game. We need our hands held at all times in life as well as in games. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Troll, trolling the trolls. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, got a good one here. Next show says, I think people defending this aren't dads. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the family gamers are coming out, AMC. Suddenly, yeah. suddenly people who dump 40 or 50 hours into Assassin's Creed every year, suddenly people who who plow their way through Breath of the Wild in a month, suddenly the guys who spend years just complaining about the hundreds of hours they put into Destiny 2 have kids. In no time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't do this. Uh, Nexo says, damn, what's looking forward to this? As someone who works long hours and has four young kids, I just cannot make the time commitment this game will demand of me. I guess I'll cancel my pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you see in this emerge a lot where suddenly gamers are very much worried about their time and what they can invest in the game. And this is born from... Uh, the item that I mentioned earlier, which is a miscommunication about the way that Returnal progresses and preserves your progress. So something that the developer said and that certain reviewers have been parroting as well is that an average run in this game is anywhere from one to two hours. Not a terribly long amount of time. I know there are some dads out there who only get, you know, 30 minutes to game and things like that. But this little bit of information has spiraled out of control into a giant misconception about exactly how the game operates and how it's structured. I mean, for one, this fueled all of the, this game isn't worth $70 people because they think that you can complete a successful run through of the game in one to two hours. That's how long they think all the content is. So they think the game is very small game is not very small the game is actually very big in fact the first biome you could spend about a good hour or so in there give or take a few minutes depending on how fast you're rushing through it if you're fully acclimated to everything that's in there where all the secrets are how to find stuff just the visual cues and language of a level uh, generally that one to two hours is you exploring a biome beating the boss going to another biome and if you're lucky, beating that boss or dying and starting the whole process over. So this little relationship also led to another misconception where people believe that, oh, every time I die, I have to replay the all the levels that I already beat. That's too much of a time commitment. I need a save feature. That's not true. What happens is that as you beat a biome, you get an item or an ability that'll allow you to bypass the biomes that you've beaten and go directly to the one that you're currently on. So I've beaten the first biome. I got the Crimson Key. I've unlocked the portal that goes to the Crimson Desert. I can go there anytime I want. As soon as I find the doorway where that portal is, it's usually somewhere very close to the beginning of the first biome. If I were to beat the Crimson Desert, and get whatever enables me to proceed to biome three, I would be able to use that in the first biome to go to another shortcut that will allow me to go all the way to the third biome. So 
you're not spending that time replaying the game unless you're in a place that you haven't completed. You're, the game is saving your permanent progress and it is making it in a way where you can use it to bypass things that you've already done. And this goes even further. Once you've beaten the first three biomes and you get to the fourth one, then suddenly you're not getting sent back to the beginning of the first biome, you're getting sent back to the beginning of the fourth biome. And then once you beat four, five, and six, you get the credits, and now you get the ability to choose between the first set of biomes and the second set of biomes in order for you to be able to continue plugging away at getting the game story or playing the in-game content or playing the challenges, the online features that the game has, and just like trying to piece together the story of what Celine is doing on that planet and you know what's really going on. So let's get to our next troll. Live, die, repeat, can't save, die again. There's a waste of 70 bucks. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Next show says a 90 minute game you play over and over again with different items, hard pass. And people like this stuff. Yeah, people do like this stuff. In fact, it's my favorite genre ever since I ventured into FTL, a game that I had to attempt 144 times before I got myself one successful run through, which probably, I don't know, anywhere from like two to four hours when I finally played a successful run. But you know what? I enjoyed those 143 runs that built me up to being able to survive all the way across all eight sectors and beating the game. It was wonderful. So number one, no. Returnal is not a 90-minute game. If you were to play all of the biomes front to back, explore them fully, and defeat the bosses, which you don't have to do in succession if you don't want to, Returnal is easily anywhere from like a 6 to 12-hour game, I would say. And, you know, of course, that's going to be more if you're really soaking in the environment, really trying to get the most out of it. But if you really wanted to count the, the content hours... It's definitely a six to 12 hour game. It's just that you'll be lucky if you survive that two hours while making meaningful progress that will allow you to start and take a shortcut further and further into the game where you can then spend that one to two hours plugging away at the new content. Last Troll says, as someone who has a job, this is a bit of an issue. If you have time to play 12 hours all day, I'm sure you defend this design flaw. And that right there with this final troll gets to the heart of the issue. It's that people who are so spoiled by traditional modern games with their save anywhere functionality are coming to this genre, which is built entirely differently and trying to apply their expectations and their comfort zones on a game that isn't built that way. This isn't how it works. It's not a design flaw. It's just the design. If that doesn't gel with the way that you play games or the amount of time you have, then unfortunately, you're just going to have to skip it. A lot of this is born from the reality that this is people's first exposure to roguelikes. The game has that AAA polish. It's being talked about. It's in the news. The people who are playing it are raving about it. People who know what Housemark is all about are tuning into this this game is a big deal it's also like one of it's the first original 
PlayStation 5 exclusive. So this is something a lot of people had their eyes on. So they're not taking it for what it is. They're, they want it to fit their lifestyles. The short version of all this is that if you haven't played the game, you don't fully understand what it is you're demanding and you don't quite grasp the effect it will have on the overall experience. If this game were to have a save feature, it would introduce the ability for people to save scum, which is something that the developer wanted to avoid. With that save scumming, you're gonna be, oh, I don't like that gun, load my save. Uh, now I like that gun. Now I'm gonna have a better run. Oh, I picked up, an, I picked up a, a suit malfunction load my save. Uh, I was able to pick up that item, which had a high likelihood of giving me a suit malfunction, and I didn't get one. Now I'm going to proceed. It's when you give people the ability to place their thumb on the scale, they're going to lean down with all their weight to try to tilt the odds in their favor as much as possible, rather than getting better at the game and enjoying the experience for what it is. I admire Housemark for at first sticking to their guns. Unfortunately, it, well, I'd say unfortunately, it looks like they're, there might be a possibility that they're going to concede to the masses. Uh, they put out a statement saying that they're listening to the fans and they're trying to, they're trying to like think about the situation and figure out if there's something that they can do. I think people either just need to put the money down and play the game so that they can see that there's nothing to save. Like the fundamental structure of the game is that in the run, everything that's happening is in that run. Like it's not, it's not a narrative focused game. It's not a game where you put in four to six hours and you're supposed to be so far into it. It's a game where you build the skills, you overcome the challenges and you unlock the content that you can then access more easily as you go on future runs. The guns you pick up, the power-ups you pick up, the parasites you accumulate, none of that matters. Like there's, there's nothing to say. You die, it's gone anyway. All you'd be saving, like you just, you just want a bookmark <laughs> in a book where like, if you lose your place, you got to start the book over. So it's like, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. There's nothing to say. It's, I, I really hope Housemark sticks to their guns. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to come at the expense of potential sales of the game. But I think the game itself is so outstanding on its own that I, I really hope it can overcome the criticisms. So to all these trolls, all I got to say is you don't know what you're talking about. This probably isn't the game for you. But if you're interested in it, just put the money down, join the party. I got refreshments for you. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Oh, oh my game to be easy. Oh. Yeah, they're definitely easy mode people <laughs> popping up. All the all the people asking for a save feature haven't played the game in the first place. So they don't even they don't even know what they're asking. They just heard that something's missing and they want it put in. It completely undermines the nature of this game design. And to be fair, I was also in that camp before release. I got suckered into the idea of like, there's not a save, but other roguelikes. And then I actually played it. 
I put the time in. I caught myself. I said, I'm going to reserve judgment until I play the game. There's probably a reason it doesn't have this feature. Let me see what's going on before I really decide whether or not I'm going to join this campaign. And sure enough, after extensive experience with this game, I can tell you with definitive resolve, it doesn't need a save feature. You're not saving anything. Everything that needs to be saved is. All your, all your permanent upgrades, all the bosses you've beaten, all the areas you've unlocked, it's all saved and you can get to it like it's no big deal. Play the games before you ask them to change. Like you're putting salt on your bread plate before the fucking food comes out. <laughs> it's like, I was going to dip the steak in the salt and the ketchup. Like, how about you taste the food first before you start fucking with it? Yeah. <laughs> You got our next topic of the week. Topic yeah, topic, topic of the week. Uh, this is a follow-up on a previous story. Uh, we had discussed previously that Monster Hunter Rise had been doing well in their sales. Oh, yeah. And now there is an update by way of Nintendo Life. In its opening week, it shipped 4 million units globally. And now it's experienced yet another sales milestone. Following on from it reaching 5 million units earlier this month, Capcom has now announced it sold 6 million copies, this being physical and digital sales. So, um, yeah, good on you, Monster Hunter Rise, continuing to sell well. Uh, this is, once again, the renaissance of Capcom, <laughs> the, the, the second renaissance or whatever, but they seem to have found a groove. People are excited for, was it Resident Evil Village? Monster Hunter Rise doing well, so even a Switch version of Monster Hunter is doing well. You imagine there will be a Monster Hunter World eventually coming to the PlayStation 5, Series X, and who knows what that game will have on that type of hardware. But um, yeah, they seem to be just doing everything right right now, and um, just wanted to acknowledge that Capcom, you're doing good. But let's move into the next topic of the week. Topic of the you wanna you wanna do this one, Adam? Just a little quick hit. iOS update fourteen point five is upon us, and with it comes native support for the DualSense and the Xbox Series X controller. Oh, yes. I can get that haptic feedbacks on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Available back on like the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> iOS update fourteen point five. It, it, it's a major addition to iOS. It adds app tracking transparency, uh, a workaround for those wearing face masks while unlocking their phone, new voices for Siri, and more. Within that more is game controller support via Bluetooth, which has been added. The feature has been hotly anticipated for some time. Users previously forced to find workarounds or use the DualShock 4 while streaming from PS5 and apps like PS Remote Play in absence of proper DualSense support. Players will be able to use the DualSense and Series controllers with a compatible Apple TV if they own one to be able to play Apple Arcade games on the big screen with the next-gen controller. So go ahead, get yourselves that update, get your remote play on, play in comfort, play, in that, play with that next-gen feel in the palm of your hand. This news coming, by the way, at Jordan Oldman from IGN. Thank you very much. AMC. Are you going to get down on some remote plays? Hey, Doug, going to get down on some remote plays. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. If I have to go back into the office, I might have to get some more. I might bring that controller with me to work, <laughs> set up my phone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like I'm beating this third biome guy. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, it's cool. kids. <laughs> I've like I've never played remote play, but I always love the I love that the fact that you do have these features because say you do get into a situation where you can definitely take advantage of it. It's nice to know that you have the option. So that's what I'll say about that. Well, I mean, this is more reason for people to support the president's build back better plan because that includes upgrades to our internet infrastructure, which I'm hoping is the nationwide Wi-Fi network. So you can get your high-speed internet wherever you go. And then remote play is something that's far more tangible instead of something that you have to go to Starbucks to enjoy. Are you sure that all that investment into infrastructure isn't a way to control my mind, Ada, to make me sick? <laughs> I mean, if they want to control my mind with the things that I, I use and want in my daily life, then... The, what the fuck do I need control of my mind for? <laughs> give me what I want. I'll give you my mind. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move into the like, next. Dude, like how, <laughs> how, how important do people think they are where, one, anyone would want to control your mind? And two, like, what are they going to get from you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what's the end game here? Like, they want to control my mind. For what? Yeah. <laughs> to watch you file papers all day? To watch you get coughed on yeah. while you're taking orders? Yes, yeah, like if you find yourself in the middle of a war and you have no idea how you got there and how you ended up with that gun in your hand, you might start questioning things. Mm -hmm. But if you find yourself buying a pair of shoes that you didn't know about and then you thought like, oh, those shoes, those shoes are pretty hot. I guess somebody realized that I like those shoes. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. You found something you like and your life got a little better. <laughs> they marketed to you. <laughs> but then people people would give you the, oh, well, by the time you wake up with the gun in your hand, it's too late. Yeah. You got to stop it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they, that's the, the mind control that they think is going on. And really the mind control is, hey, buy this thing. Oh, you know what? I think I might buy this thing. Oh, they tricked me. I didn't no, know it was a roguelike. <laughs> the real mind control is getting them to think this way to resist progress in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, they they want to control my mind. Well, who controlled your mind to make you think that? Yeah. <laughs> think that, look at your, I don't need Rupert Murdoch or <laughs> I'm angry today, man. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of people hating on Returnal for reasons that they can't even properly explain or comprehend. It's so, it's so ridiculous. It's been happening in new games all the time, but with Returnal, is the stakes are higher because it's Housemark that's on the line. It's their ability to make the games they want that are on the line. Like they, they publicly thank Sony for allowing them to make a project as risky as Returnal. Like. I'll thank them endlessly for making this project because this is a, a gamer's dream come true. They don't deserve all this criticism and hate and backlash they're getting for a game design that half the people, 90% of the people complaining about don't even understand. It's like, it, if you're telling me about how bad the absence of a save feature is in Returnal, tell me you're top five favorite roguelikes and show me your trophies mm -hmm. how about that yeah <laughs> and show me show me at least one trophy that you popped in returnal let's do that yeah exactly hmm. uh let's move into the next topic of the week top topic of the week you got it do i got it 
Uh, you know what? I got it. Let's, uh, you know what? We both got it. Let's just quickly discuss. Uh, there was a state of play, a dub. Oh, there was. And we'll call it basically the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart state of play. Mm-hmm. Um, just open discussion moment. A dub, what'd you think about that gameplay trailer? That extensive gameplay trailer that we saw. <laughs> now, I was already thoroughly impressed by Rift Apart just from the previous trailers that we've seen. However, this 15-minute gameplay demo that they displayed just, it knocked my socks off. I was totally unprepared for what they showed. First off, it looks like a feature-length film at every moment in every frame. Ratchet has real fur. (laughs) Like, just the lighting and the, the richness of the colors, the animations, everything. It looks phenomenal. There's a ton of content. The worlds are more lively than ever. And it it brings you the interesting premise to help show off the hardware functionality of the PlayStation 5 with you know, the dimensional rips where one, in a moment to moment gameplay application, you're using that to pull you to certain spots in a given arena as you're fighting. So that's cool. But you also have gameplay where you're going from world to world. And this isn't like the pre-planned, oh, like this is a segment. And if you go too far off the rails, you fail the segment and you gotta go over it. You're actually going from world to world. Like if you just stopped and wanted to go off in a different direction, you'd be in that world taking on those objectives, taking on those missions, looking for those secrets, getting those gold bolts, doing that stuff. Like there's so much going on with this. I'm completely on board and engaged. Like I said, we just got Returnal, Ratchet is next. And if, if these two games, which aren't necessarily, like normally these wouldn't be system sellers, I think Ratchet, with what we've seen so far, I think it has finally risen to the level of being a system seller as well as just a precursor of what to expect the rest of the generation to bring us. AMC, how did you feel? Uh, one, this game, as echoing everything you said, the game looks absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, has that that quality of what would look to be a, a feature-length film. Uh, just certain things like... As I mentioned earlier with Returnal and the environment, uh, when you get to that like that world, uh, the um, was it the nefarious world, and you just see how much is going on in the background, like it is a full-on highway of action of uh, cars just moving around in traffic in the air as you're walking along through these shops and seeing all these vendors and just NPCs that are just talking to you and you just realize how dense this game is for a game that for a Ratchet and Clank game, it's absolutely awesome just to, to view it from an outside perspective, not being able to have the hands on yet. Um, two, I love the, the counter narrative that these two games present when you think about Returnal and Ratchet and Clank Returnal one being people look at Sony games and they're just like, every Sony game is the same. And then they get Returnal and they're like, it doesn't have a save feature. Why isn't this like every other game I play? Mm-hmm. And then you look at Ratchet and Clank. And as you said, looks like a feature length film. And so there's been this knock on Sony where it's like, Sony said that they only want to put out big blockbuster games. Mm-hmm. But this idea that all their big blockbuster games look and play exactly the same. And it's, you look at Ratchet and Clank and it looks like a movie, but it is nowhere near the same game as 
Uncharted, Last of Us. Um, what's that delivery simulator game? Uh, uh, Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Yeah, it looks like none of the, none of those games. It looks like none of those games, and yet it does have this big budget feel to it. Um, and so it, it's just both these games just look like they're fun. Like you're not getting too caught up in the. Like I'll tell you one thing: both these games aren't going to be. Uh, you know, trolled and review bombed based on the narrative behind the games. It's if they're review bombed, it's going to be about the gameplay or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I love that there is this thing of out the gate, these two games that are going to be huge. I feel like for Sony completely go against what people, the, the light that they're trying to paint Sony into. Um, and yeah, they're both games that I completely want to buy. And that's great. It's a great way to start off this generation, I will say, because people are trying to say that there are no games coming to the PlayStation 5, no exclusives, and yet you have two awesome games right away that you can play right now. So um, yeah, Ratchet and Clank look absolutely awesome. Love the new character. Can't wait to play as her. Um, I, it looks like it has like all the same sense of humor that it previously had. and. I, I can't wait to see because of the hardware um, how crazy they can get with some of these weapons because what they've shown us already just looks like they still have the right tone and the right style behind the the zaniness of the guns. But then uh, now with the, the hardware to see how intricate they can really get with, uh, you know, just even with having like that, that disco gun to see the different dances that the, the uh, enemies can do. Um, yeah, taking advantage of this hardware and putting it into this game, uh, I'm I'm super excited. So yeah, um, I absolutely love this. Uh, I was already sold on the game, just uh, on based on previous trailers, but this is now a game that I have to have. Um, and so yeah, yeah these are Ratchet these are definitely games. went to a to a must have game for me. I was initially, you know, oh I'm gonna play Returnal, and then I'm gonna play Disco Elysium, and then I'm gonna get Biomutant on day one. I just don't think there's enough time for Ratchet, but it, there's gonna be time for Ratchet. I'm making time for Ratchet. That that's happening, especially once they got to the segment where they briefly showed off all the different all the different sets of armor you could wear. Uh, I'm used to playing Ratchet. I think. I don't think I've ever seen more than maybe one or two sets of armor in a given ratchet. They had at least half a dozen in this one and they got the photo mode. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. The first time ever photo mode. And uh, from what they showed, um, you can get really detailed with it. Um, so yeah, this is ratchet and clank looks like it's going to be uh as you said, a system seller um, for people who are just looking for a fun game to play. That also has like, a narrative that's just a good time um this is it and so yeah uh don't need to see any more of it can't wait for it to drop um sony you're doing good <laughs> doing real good sony haters gonna hate but if they hate, if they hate let them hate and watch the money pile uh, yeah <laughs> uh let's uh, get into speak, oh yeah, yeah speak, speaking of money piling up let's get into our next topic of the week Top topic, topic of the, of the week. week. Yeah, you want me to take this one, A Dub? Oh yeah, you got this one. You're All the, right, you the so, big businessman on these parts. Yes, sir. So uh, this coming by way of IGN, the headline being PS Five has outsold PS Four in its fiscal in its first fiscal year on sale. So here are the details. PlayStation 5 has sold 7.8 million units in its first fiscal year on sale, ending March 31st, 2021, outstripping PS4's 7.6 million units sold mm. in the same period. Uh, 
Mm. Revealed in Sony's full-year earnings release today, the number means that Sony has managed to hit its target of outselling PS4 at launch despite the global pandemic and the current semiconductor shortage slowing production. So despite all these factors, PlayStation 5 cannot be found because motherfuckers are just picking it up. It's like, it's the moment that it comes off of the presses and Sony, and it leaves the factory, somebody's already there with their money saying, give me that console, give me that console. Um, and I'm absolutely happy about that, Adeb. Do you have any comments? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. Like, you know, people want to blame the sales on the scalpers as if people would buy consoles with why would you buy something that you can't resell? So the demand is there. It's just people are getting pinched for their little stimulus money. So that sucks. However, the demand is there. So these things are moving out the door. This is awesome. This bodes well for the Jim Ryan regime and the decisions they've been making to further bolster the PlayStation brand with, with major hits, with, a wide range of games. I mean, there's been a statement that the PlayStation 5 generation is is going to have more exclusives from first-party developers than the PlayStation 4 generation has. So that's very that's very encouraging and reassuring. You know that if you're buying into this ecosystem, there are going to be experiences that you're only going to get on this console. And you know, I I just like to see my favorite hobby flourishing and succeeding so this kind of news is always very welcome you know it's i i hope microsoft and xbox are doing well we know nintendo is just completely killing it with the switch so it overall gaming is winning and as long as gaming is winning gamers are winners because you know we're we're in the camp we're on the field too it's just we have a different role they're calling the plays they're throwing the ball but we're the ones packing the stands. We're the ones running the ball. Well, the developers are running the ball. We're packing the stands, though. We're keeping this engine turning. So, you know, we just need to keep buying these hot dogs and these beers. They may be 14 bucks a piece, but the show is worth it. Let's, let's keep this party rolling. Yes, yes. Well, let's move into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Um. You know what? I'll take this one. This will oh. be a quick one. We'll stay in the PlayStation space. We got the PS Plus games for May, A-Dub. Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. So for May, we got Battlefield Five. We got okay. yeah, for, for PS4. We got Stranded Deep for PS4. I need to see some video on that. Just to get an idea of what it is. Like, is, is, that, is that Death Stranding 2? <laughs> yeah, by all accounts, from what I read, uh, I watched like a little trailer. So it's a, you know, I just pull up the blur from the PlayStation blog. Test your survival skills in this open world adventure in the aftermath of a mysterious plane crash. Oh, it sounds like Returnal. You are stranded mm. in the vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean alone mm. without any means to call for help. Mm. You must do what you can to survive. Explore underwater and on land as you hunt for supplies to craft tools, weapons, and shelter that you'll need to stay alive. Uh, it looks like a first-person shooter game. Uh. Um, not, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, it's more about survival, so you're not like, you know, you don't have unlimited bullets. I, I saw at one point he was swimming in the water and a shark came after him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it didn't look like a game that I necessarily would be all over. 
but it is a video game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's got that going for it. Yeah. uh, Let's see. For PlayStation 5, we have possibly the greatest titled video game ever. Wreckfest, Die Hard, Die Last. (laughs) I like like the idea that it's, you're going to die. So just make sure that you die last. Nobody Good. gets out alive. Does it have a save feature? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so by from what you can gather, Wreckfest is basically a de- destruction derby style of game. Let's read the blurb. Burn rubber, break rules, and shred metal. And this full contact racer from the creator of the, of the flat out race and upgrade your patched together car improving their looks and, t- and toughening up their body armor to survive the epic crashes and neck-to-neck fights over the finish line in competitive races enjoy some hilarity and challenge modes as you get behind the wheel of crop harvesters okay three wheelers uh-huh. and, and much more then challenge your friends online in multiplayer matches up to 24 players so um yeah this game looks absolutely insane didn't see a trailer but you know, it's called Wreckfist. You don't need to know much about it. It's a racing game, and it's all about bumping and bumping and grinding. If you're not yeah. bumping, you're not racing. Uh, <laughs> now, hold on. You, you mentioned that it it has the 24 person online. Is this an online only game, or is there a single player component? Um, by all accounts, it looks like it's a single player game because it said it when it mentioned the multiplayer that was in the the different modes so uh, i imagine multiplayer is one of the modes um okay yeah so yeah a dub can hop on this single player race against people crash into people yeah and win because get your burnout fix but this time it's like the crashes aren't a consequence of poor driving they're the goal yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's what i'm about it's you know we I'm all about racing games. I'm all about precision driving and performance, but sometimes you just want to crash into a motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this is something that I'm definitely going to be checking out next month, this month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You got another uh, PS5 coming PS5 game coming to you, Ado. Where's the value in the PS5? Uh, uh, Has no games. Uh, let's um, move into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. I, I got, got a one. yeah, I got a little quick hit for you. It's it's a pretty decent one uh, for people who are fans of Star Wars. This might be some good news for you. Uh, you're going to be getting Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order next gen upgrade this summer. Oh. So some of you may know Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It recently got a PS5 performance patch for the PS4 version of the game. However, Respawn has endeavored to make a full-on next-gen upgrade for this game. You might be saying, well, if they already patched it for the PS5 version, then what could this possibly entail? Well, don't really know. (laughs) But uh, Disney has officially confirmed that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order will receive a free next-gen upgrade for PS5 and Xbox Series X slash S this summer. A, uh, a small update explains that the upgrade will bring a number of technical improvements to the game on next-gen consoles. More details are coming soon. So we don't know exactly what the full-on next-gen upgrade is going to bring with it, but we know it's going to bring something, which is better than nothing. Let us rejoice. It's going to be free if you already own the game. So, you know, that's another reason to dive back in. Who knows? I might, I've been thinking if, you know, if it's a decent next gen upgrade, I might even 
be persuaded to get back in at the highest difficulty and relive that experience all over again, playing as your boy Cal, getting, oh my God, I can't wait to play this game on next gen with the visuals. It's going to look like a Star Wars movie at that point. Yeah, I, from, from everything I remember with the game, it was a great game. Everybody said they enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought you'd mentioned there was like some performance stuff going on there. So that might be like, it might erase all of that and then also look better. So it might just be the, the peak form of the game, if anything. If they want to get this game in peak form, then they need to make sure that they go back and give the requisite amount of love necessary to make Kashyyyk a more complete looking level. Because, I mean, I get it. It's got a lot of foliage and a lot of textures going on there. So you can't really have too much high res detail going on. But I think that was by far just the lowest point of the game because Kashyyyk just, it, it felt unfinished. So if they could get back in there, polish that up and just bring it up to the standard of quality that the rest of the game has, then I think that this upgrade will be a winner. But let's get to our next topic of the week. Top, top topic. Another little quick hit, the last of us news. Very small news, nothing to get too excited about, but The Last of Us Part 3 has a plot. However, (laughs) it hasn't been written. There's no guarantee it'll get made, but just know that there's already a plot. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, start getting ready with your preconceived notions and your your conclusions that you're going to jump to through the fog with your leaps of faith based on nothing <laughs> every everything you want to hate is coming right back at you uh they definitely could take it somewhere i mean i know a couple places i would like to see the franchise go based on how part two ended so we'll see if if our feelings coincide with that of the good folks over at naughty dog so whatever happens we're waiting to see it personally especially now that we're on ps5 really hoping naughty dog endeavors to create a brand new IP, preferably Savage Starlight. Somebody start a hashtag. Let's get that going. Savage Starlight needs to be made into a video game. If you guys don't know what Savage Starlight is, it's the comic book that Ellie reads in The Last of Us. And it sounds pretty cool. I want a game. Naughty Dog, get on it. Get down on it. Come on now. Get down on it. Really want to. Let's see what else we got. Um, next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Um, damn. Uh, you know what? This is one from last week. This is my final story. A dub. I didn't get to it, but I love this game. You know, when when you talk about uh, when you ask me what I've been playing, I always just gloss over this game, even though I probably put the, the most hours in a week into this one game. But because it is a mobile game. I don't bring it up on this show, but that game, A-Dub, is Mario Kart Tour. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, you didn't get to it. Yeah, I didn't get to it. Um, we ran kind of long. I'll make this one quick, though, because I absolutely love Mario Kart Tour. There are a lot of people when it dropped, uh, they, you know, they had all the complaints. They were like, why isn't this play like every other Mario Kart game? Well, it's on your phone, dude. But why isn't it play like, I want it to be different, but people are enjoying it for what it is. But I want it. Yeah, anyways. This game has seen a quite a bit of success, a dub. So let me read it out here. This is by way of GameSpot, not GameStop, GameSpot. 
Mario Kart 2 were the first game in the wild, wildly popular Nintendo franchise to be released on mobile, has just hit a milestone of 200 million lifetime revenue. Wow. The racing game is Nintendo's second most successful game in terms of revenue and the fourth highest earning mobile racing game over the last year. This by way of Sensor Tower reports. Despite the slowing of sales, Mario Kart Tour has now settled into a fairly consistent pattern, earning 7.7 million per month on average. <laughs> Jesus so I, yeah, this, the, the game is just printing money. People are enjoying it. Um, they What they've been doing recently, um, every couple of months, they'll have a versus where you choose a side and um, you play the game and you try to earn points for your side. This uh, For the next week, it's going to be uh, Bowser versus Donkey Kong. And, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's supposed to line up with, um, was it uh, based off coming off the heels of the success of king kong versus godzilla so they're doing bowser versus donkey kong you got to choose a side um you know i was initially going to go bowser because i love you boy but um donkey kong just has the better lineup of players on his team they basically they split up all the drivers and you know all the good drivers that being like mario yoshi princess actually not princess princess is surprisingly on bowser's side but mario yoshi um donkey kong's crew uh who else is in there Ah, who, who cares? Uh, Luigi, all the good guys. They're all on uh, Donkey Kong's team. Bowser has all the Bowser baddies. So, you know, you got Bowser's kids, Bowser Jr., Peach for some reason. Um, and, uh, you know, Shy Guy, Koopa Troopa, and um, Bomb King. King is, that a, is that a subtle hint at a possible Bowsette down the line? Uh, that's I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm really there. You know they've been giving us these little teasers. Uh, got her on the team. <laughs> yeah, got her on the squad. Ha- didn't really explain why. Did he kidnap her onto the squad, or did she just join willingly? So the fact that she is on the team is pretty exciting. Uh, so yeah, but we're gonna choose Donkey Kong. We're gonna go against our better uh, our better judgment. We already know that everybody's gonna pick Bowser, but Donkey Kong just has a better lineup of drivers, and so we're just gonna go with him. But yeah, I, at, every now and then got to throw some love towards Mario Kart Tour because I do play the shit out of that game for two years straight, haven't spent a dime on it, and um, it's absolutely awesome. Uh, what else do you got a dub in the next topic of the week? Top do we want to? Do we want to do this Microsoft news? Uh, we can do it as a quick hit. What's going on is that Microsoft has decided they're going to be taking a smaller cut of the revenue from developers that sell games on the Xbox Store. Previously, it was thirty percent. Now it's 12. So that's a drop of about 60% of their revenue split. So this means developers are going to be making more money per copy, which means their games have to sell fewer copies to turn a profit, which means more games have an opportunity to be financial successes, which means they have a greater likelihood of getting sequels, which means that in the end, the gamer always wins. AMC, how do you feel about this news? Oh, it's great news. I always feel like whenever you hear, whenever you hear about a win for the developer, um, I feel like it's a win for the industry just because, you know, it just brings down the costs, uh, brings in more money and then, um, you know, gives, gives developers more of a chance. That means they don't have to make that much more in order to justify producing their next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means they don't have to sell as many copies in essence. So that's a, that's a good sign. Hopefully I believe that this is um, this is 
following up a story that the Epic Game Store had done this something similar, dropping their uh, their cut, and um, maybe that will be another sign for maybe PlayStation. Um, you know, especially this is also after pretty much a year hearing all these um, you know monopoly battles with Epic with Epic and um, Apple, and you know just in I think other um, other countries also kind of you know letting Apple know that they have a monopoly set up and there are some unfair practices with their marketplace. Uh, we're now seeing, you know, with Microsoft and Epic Game Store, you know, adjusting at least their cut that they're taking from the developer. Um, maybe we'll see that with Sony unless Sony already has a good revenue split. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's it's a good sign for the developer. And I think it'll, it'll show up as a, a good you know, we'll, 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 we'll receive some dividends on the end of the consumer, uh, consumer. And so, yeah, I like this. How about you, Adam? It's awesome. So, you know, it's, I mean, it doesn't, it, you would think it doesn't directly affect you. Of course, you're going to have the people like, Oh, you own stock. (laughs) (laughs) And actually I do, but it's, it benefits you down the line because this is, it's the big thing is that this, allows developers to get a stronger level of support from the real audiences for these games. And it also enables them to be able to more safely take risks and make the kind of games that they want to make because they have less worry about it being financially viable. So what this means for everybody is that you're not going to keep getting the the same old games, the same cookie cutter games, the, the Ubi fillers and, you know, the generic open world zombie games that there really aren't that many of, but whatever, call them generic if you want to. But yeah, you're going to be able to get more creative products, especially in the indie space, because like a a change in the revenue like that is huge when you have a high profit margin and you're dealing with a game that has a smaller budget. So like it's, it's huge and it's going to allow them to make bigger, better games. It's going to allow them to make more games. It's going to allow them to just do the things that we really want them to do. And that benefits everybody. Sir. Do you have any uh, final stories, A-Dub, before we get out of here? I'm all storied out. All right. How about some final words? Final words, especially in light of the events of this week, the release of Returnal, the, the uproar, about the way it's built and the things that it doesn't have from people who don't even have it. Uh, How about you buy a game and then know what the hell you're complaining about? I mean, of course you're gonna get people who are, you know, the demo people, like this is why they need to put out demos. It's like, yeah, but I mean, you don't necessarily have to play the game. You could just go play something else if $70 is too rich for your blood, you can wait for a sale. But going on and on about making the developer try to put in something that you think it should have when you don't even know if it's necessary is just, it. you're crossing the line. And a lot of people need to really just know their role, get back in their place, shut the hell up, and either pay the price of admission to see for yourself or move on. That's all it takes. With these control issues, I am the AM. Control issues. Sucker.